Amen. Good to see you here this morning. So good to be in God's house and be with God's people. I thank the Lord for the gift of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for His presence here with us this morning. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. It's made us clean. I thank you for His mercies are fresh and new each morning. Every day we have a fresh new start with the Lord. We fail Him many times and disobey the Lord at times. He never fails us. Amen. Never once and never will He fail us. Praise God for that. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We'll just read this one verse. We'll go back and read more of it in a little while, a little more of this passage. James 1.24 for he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. I know that we know this passage very well about being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. But this, this passage, this one scripture, he beholds himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. I have been guilty of that more than I care to, to share with you. But he straightway forgets what manner of man he was. He's looking at himself in a mirror. That's, that's the natural example is the mirror. The spiritual example, he's looking into the Word of God. He's looking into the Bible, to the Holy Scriptures, to the living Word, which is able to make us wise unto salvation and sanctify us. He's looking into it, and straightway he forgets what manner of man he was. Manner means custom or usage or what sort and it is, is determined by habit. When I looked up the definition, what manner means what prescribed by habit. What, what manner of man he was, he forgot. It was straightway when he walked away. And I began to think about the need, the great need for God's people to, to know and to be constantly aware. I guess you say cognizant and constantly reminded of ma what manner of man or woman that we are. As believers, I'm talking to the church, to Christians, we need to discern our own hearts by the word of God, our own hearts. We need to know what manner of man we are. And when, uh, when Simon Peter was, was fishing and Jesus was preaching from the boat, you know, the crowds had pressed him and so he got on the boat and, and Simon on Peter's boat and they pushed out from the shore a little bit and he began to preach and he taught from the boat, and then he told Peter to let down your net for a catch. We know that story in Luke chapter 5, not a story, that account. And they, the fishermen, you know, they, they let down their nets, and, they're, and they said, Lord, we've fished all night. We've toiled all night and taken nothing. And, and, and that Peter says, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. And he does. And, it, and they're not, not able to lift the net because there's so many fish. So they call James and John in their boat, and they help them. And the boat's about to sink because they pulled so many fish into the boat. And, and they're amazed at the, the catch of fish that they have. But then quickly Peter's uh, thoughts tur turns to the Lord, turn to the Lord. And he says, when he saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. When, he, when, he, when all this hit him, the miracle and the glory and the holiness of God, it kind of hit him at that moment, I guess you would say. It was revealed to him more in that moment. And he instantly saw himself as a sinner. 
He instantly fell at the feet of Jesus, acknowledging Jesus as Lord and holy, and depart from me, Lord, for, for I am a sinful man, is what he says. That's a good way to be. It's a good place to be at the feet of Jesus, amen? It's a good place to be where we see ourselves as, as the Lord sees us, and we see ourselves rightly. But this man in, in that James is speaking of in this illustration, it says straightway, this man forgot what manner of man he was. He forgot what sort of man he was. And we don't want to do that. God doesn't want to do that. We need to constantly be reminded. I was speaking to someone just this morning uh, while we were visiting and saying, God's teaching me that again. And I'm thinking, he goes, I, I don't know if that's normal or not. And, and I say, yes, it is. He's, he teaches us the same things over and over and over and over and over again. And we learn, and we learn, and we move forward, and we, you know, and, and then we, we have to be taught again, and we got to be pressed on to go forward. We're constantly learning. But we need to make, as, as believers, born-again believers, we need to make a right, I guess you would say, a determination or evaluation of ourselves, of our own lives as followers of Christ. We need to really see what manner of men and women that we are, and we have to be reminded of that. It's, it's not just one time at, a, at some retreat or some special service that we had a long time ago. We need to be reminded constantly. This man looked in the mirror and immediately forgot what manner of man he was. And I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. You know, our manner, as I said, is determined by our custom, our habits. That's one of the definitions and the Bible says that Paul, when he would go from city to city preaching the gospel, he would enter into a, a town, and if there was a synagogue, it says, on the Sabbath day, as his manner was, he, it became his habit to go into the synagogue first and to preach from the scriptures that Christ was Lord. That was his habit. That was his pattern. That's what it means when it says, as his manner was. And, and we don't want to forget what manner of man that we are. I want you to look at Luke 9.53. And they did not receive him. This is Jesus passing through Samaria. They did not receive him in Samaria because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. He's going to, he's ministering in Samaria, but his, his purpose is to go to Jerusalem to die on the cross for the sins of the world. Amen. And they didn't receive him there because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And this offended James and John, two of Jesus' disciples. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. I just wanted to look at this. You don't know what sort of spirit you are. Maybe five minutes before they did. Maybe they were getting it and things were clicking spiritually. You know, they were seeing it. They were walking in the truth. But it just so, shows how quickly we can, we can move off into the flesh or move off into something that's false. They thought, they didn't receive this from the Holy Ghost. They thought, hey, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to kill all these people because they didn't receive you and welcome you in Samaria? And the Bible says the Lord rebuked them. He didn't damn them. He didn't say, you can't be my disciples anymore. 
but did rebuke them. And he does that to us often. And he says, you don't know what manner of spirit you are, what sort of spirit you are. This was not this day when Jesus was passing through Samaria. This was not the day of the wrath of the Lord. This was not the day of vengeance upon Samaria. This was the day uh, proclaimed the acceptable year of the Lord. This was the time, when, and these two disciples should have been characterized by, by mercy. Their attitudes should have been characterized by mercy and grace as opposed to vengeance. He says, the Son of Man came not at his first coming to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they didn't understand it, so he had to teach them. They didn't know what sort of spirit they were of. I heard the title of a sermon. I did not hear the sermon I would like to one day. And a man preached. It's called, there's, there's four, four different men. In the, and he, he talks about in one man, in, in every individual, there are four men. He says the four men, is, I think was the title of the sermon. He says there's the man that the world sees when they look at you. There's the man that your family and friends see when they look at you. There is the man we see ourselves as being. And then there's the man that God sees. I'd like to hear that sermon. I'm going to try to preach a little of it that God gave me to the, this morning. But the one that God sees is the one that matters. And they don't always line up perfectly, do they? They certainly don't always line up perfectly. The man you are, the woman you are, that the world sees. They just know you. They pass by you. It may be based on how you look, how you speak, your stature, your wealth. It could be just external things. There's a man that the world sees. There is the man or woman that your family and friends see. They certainly know you better than the world knows you. There is the man or woman that we see ourselves as being. And that's not necessarily what the world sees when they look at us or what our friends and family even see when they look at us. And then finally, there's the man that God sees. And he, that is the one that matters. And I know you know the scripture, and I think it's taken out of context so often. But the Bible says when, when Saul was, Samuel was going to anoint king, uh, the king of Israel, and he had rejected Saul from being king. And he sent him to all of Jesse's sons. And we know the story. And the oldest comes. And, boy, he's big and, and strong. And the oldest. And, and, and Samuel literally thinks, certainly the Lord's anointed or the chosen one of God is before me. The Lord says, no, nope, the Lord's rejected him. doesn't mean he rejected him, you know, eternally. He just rejected him. He's not the one to be the king. And all the sons come. And then finally, they don't even think to call David, the young shepherd boy, out of the field to even come. And Samuel says, we're not leaving here until he gets here. You call for him. And when he walks up, the Lord says, that's the one. That's the one. He said, and he goes on to tell Samuel. He's teaching Samuel a lesson. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh what? On the heart. He looked at the heart of David, and he saw even then, I'm sure, a man after God's own heart that was going to be the shepherd of his people Israel. And so we need to, that's the man that matters. That's the man that's important. That man that God sees. And it's the inward things of the heart. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 4, I'll just read it. 
don't let, he's speaking to women, but I I think this could be uh, for any believer. He says, don't let your outward appearance be your beauty, the plaiting of the hair and wearing of gold and, and jewelry and so forth, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, listen, which in the sight of God is of great price. I need to highlight that in my Bible. I need to find out what's glorifying in the sight of God. What's important in his eyes? What does he esteem as being worthwhile or valuable or holy or righteous or good? And it is the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, not the wearing of jewelry and so forth. And so we need that, that, that of those four men, as I said, they don't always line up. What a stranger sees you as being or me as being, and what my closest friends see could be two totally different things. We might have this countenance that looks rough and gruff, and they say, no, like, I know him well. That's my brother-in-law. He, he's a teddy bear. You know what I mean? He's just, you don't know him that well. And then our family and friends see us as being that, and then we see ourselves as being something else, but we're around certain people. We act a certain way. Uh, and then when we're, then there's the person that God sees when he looks at our hearts and when he sees our lives. And that's the one I need to focus on. That's the one I need to, to work on, so to speak. And that's the one that the real me is the one that God sees. And God, by his grace, is working to make us all like his son, Jesus Christ. And he sees us as being born again. He sees us robed in the righteousness of Christ. But he's taking that man that I am now in Christ and making that man that I am now in Christ more like Jesus. And I have to see that man rightly for him to really work on that. And he is wanting to work on that. The Lord needs my cooperation, amen, and desires and needs our yieldedness to him. And so he's working the lives of the redeemed man. I'll tell you this, he's make, to wanting to make us consistent to where not one thing with strangers and one thing with our family and one thing with friends and one thing I see myself as in a different thing over here. He wants to make us through and through at all times and all circumstances that man or woman of God. That's what he's after and desiring to do. Uh, I, I quoted this Wednesday night in our study in Philippians and talking about Paul being in prison. He had been in those circumstances. He had been other circumstances, you know, where things were going great. But uh, the, the quote that I got from a commentary was, our circumstances are not nearly as important as what we do with them. Our circumstances are not nearly as important as what we do with those circumstances. And the whole thought was, do we glorify God? Can we rejoice? Can we be thankful in whatever circumstances? And the Bible says of King Saul, when you were little in your own eyes or in your own sight, I made you my king of Israel. We have to uh, see ourselves as God does. And so y'all in through and through, at all times, in all circumstances, in all situations, whoever sees us, whoever's listening to us, before all men and women, we are to be men and women of God. And I don't think, you know, you walk into a, uh, like I said, you walk into a, a store, you walk into the workplace, you walk into, and we, we have this persona we put on at, at different times. This is this crowd. <laughs> this is these, these people. And they know me as this, and they expect me to be this. I would just say, oh, that we would, we would be Christ everywhere we go. 
that we wouldn't be different with our lost friends or with these friends and so forth. We would, God wants to, to make us the men and women who clearly and consistently ref, reflect the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, these are old school friends of mine. They knew me when, you know, they knew me when I didn't know Jesus. So I got to kind of be this way around them. But we're new in Christ. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. And you hear all these terms like conflicted and all these kind of things. It just comes down to being consistently, as a Christian, what, what the Lord's made me to be. Whether I'm accepted by this group of people or rejected or they're not sure what to think about me or they scratch their heads or they ridicule or whatever it may be. That the Lord is working in our lives, I can promise you, to make us like Christ. And to make us like Christ everywhere we go. In the good times, the bad times, with whoever we're with, he wants to make us like Jesus in our, in our manner of life, in our love, in our heart of hearts, in the way we show grace and, and reflect in the nature of Christ, no matter what our circumstances or who's listening to us or watching us at the time. We're not pretenders. We're not pretend Christians. We're either born again of the Spirit of God or we're not. And if we're born again to the Spirit of God, then we are that. We are that. Now, certainly God gives us wisdom. There's times we hold our peace because the Lord tells us, hold your peace. There's times that we speak because God tells us to speak about the things of God. But still, we're not two different people depending on the, the, the people that we're with. We're not to be one man in church and then a different person at home. We're not to be one man with our friends and another man with our spouse or our children. We're not to be one man to the ball game and another in Sunday school. We're not to be one man or one young person in school with our school friends and a different person when we get home with our parents or family. We're not to be one man on the job and a different man in, Christ, in church, that type of thing. We're to be that all the time, through and through, consistently Christ-like. That's what we're to be. We need the Lord to help us with that, amen? We do need to help the Lord. It's, it's not pleasing to God. It's not honoring to God. And I think about the men and women of God in the Bibles, those that stand out to you. It doesn't matter. If you pick it, Moses, Samuel, uh, you know, I, I think of, of Peter, John, just different people through the Bible. They were what they were. Once God got a hold of their lives, they sinned at times and they sinned after they were saved, but they were what they were. Paul thought himself happy and blessed when he could actually testify before Agrippa or Felix about God. In other words, he's preaching the gospel to people he didn't know over here. Now he's arrested for it and he's in prison for Christ's sake. And he says, I'm going to testify before Felix and Agrippa and these different people. They actually had, I think it was Agrippa, had a big, almost like a big fanfare. It was like a big celebration. And in the celebration, they brought Paul out to hear him. He was in prison. They said, let's hear, we have a notable prisoner here, Paul, the apostle who talks about Jesus rising from the dead. And they watched him like you'd watch a TV show. And he came out, but he said, I'm going to use it to preach the gospel. He was what he was all the time. He didn't say, well, I'm, this is a different group of people here. I need, to, I need to change up my demeanor, my words, 
and, and that kind of thing. They're probably not going to believe anyway. But he was what, who he was and what he was consistently. And I think a lot of times we straightway walk away and forget what manner of men we are or what we're supposed to be. We straightway forget. And I was thinking about Peter, for example. Peter made, and we heard it in Sunday school in the wonderful lesson that Damien and Katie taught, that Peter makes this great profession of faith. Jesus says, people are saying I'm this, people I'm saying that, uh, that I'm this and that or a prophet. Who do you say that I am? Peter makes the right profession. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but this is a revelation from my Father that you know this. And, and that is the profession of faith upon which I'm going to build my church. And just a few minutes later, so here's Peter. It's like his, he's it from the highest to the lowest in a matter of one conversation in a few sentences because he makes the profession of all the other 12 that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, Simon, that is exactly, I'm going to build my whole church upon that profession of faith. And then a few seconds later, Jesus said, begins to tell his disciples, it wasn't the first time, I don't think, and it wasn't going to be the last time, how he was going to go into Jerusalem, be taken by the chief priests and scribes and elders, and be crucified and rise again the third day. Peter says, Lord, that got far be that from you. That is not going to happen to you. Jesus doesn't waste any time. He turns to him and rebuked him and said, uh, get thee behind me, Satan. Wow, how the mighty have fallen, huh? I've done it just in a matter of seconds. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Wow. we got to know what manner of men we are. We need to see ourselves like the Lord sees us. Peter thought, uh, and he, he was riding high after that pr pronouncement of faith, profession of faith. And I think about Peter again, the, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he said, though all men will deny you, yet I will not deny you. I will die for you. He did pull out his sword and cut off one of the servant's ears that came to arrest him. But when he saw how everything went down and he got scared and he ran, and then he, sure enough, he denied the Lord three times. And he, he didn't know his own heart. That Many sermons have been preached on that. But the point is, we need to see ourselves, and we need to see ourselves the way the Lord sees us. That takes time. That takes time being with the Lord. You can't be caught up, and I can't be in the hustle and bustle of the day. Even in the hustle and bustle of our Christian day, where we're still Christians and love the Lord, but we need to have that time to spend with the Lord. Man sees the outward appearance and looks upon the outward appearance, and will make an estimation about a person based on their physical appearance and how they sound and things like this. But God sees the heart. That's the man that matters, and we can't forget that. I remember Clendenin sharing this, <clears throat> that one time late in life, he had gotten up. He had gotten in, and he was a minister and loved the Lord and everything else, totally sold out to the Lord. But he got really sick, and he had to step down from ministry for, oh, I think it was a couple of months, where it was just... God used it, and it was a time where he got alone with the Lord and spent time with the Lord. I, and I think I'm getting the story right, but the Lord spoke to him and said, you don't love me nearly as much as you think you do. 
I mean, here's somebody that's serving God their whole life. You don't love me nearly as much as you think you did. Now, he loves us with a perfect love. And my heart kind of swells in love and kind of goes down sometimes and waxes and wanes. But we need to see our own hearts. There's the man we see ourselves as being, even as Christians. And then there's the man that Almighty God sees us as being or the woman. And we need to be our, begin to see ourselves as our Savior sees us. And then on top of that, to go on and become the man that we profess to be, or the woman that we profess to be in Christ, and that we've been redeemed to be in Christ. And we need to let the Lord work in us. We've got to be honest in our estimation of ourselves. Our whole life has to be whole. And I mean whole but complete, through and through. We need to be holy, the Lord's. We need to be consistent in our Christianity. Uh, we need to be single, so to speak, and not divided. And I think about Jesus. No matter when you would have seen the Lord, if you lived in his lo locale at that time when he walked the earth, especially during his earthly ministry, uh, no matter when you would have seen him or heard him or what occasion or was he with the Pharisees or was he with the fishermen and his disciples was he with the multitudes was he riding into Jerusalem on a donkey being hailed as the son of God and the Messiah but no matter when they would have seen Jesus they would have seen him being consistently the son of God not, not that they recognized that necessarily that he was that but he would have been what he was all the time if it was just him alone and you just snuck up on him while he was praying to his father and nobody was late at night or early in the morning and everybody else was sleeping, they would have seen him being the son of God. He would have been that consistently. He only did the things his, he saw his father doing. He only said the things he heard his father saying. And he would have always been consistently the lover of men's souls. Even if he's rebuking some Pharisees over here, He's still a lover of men's souls. He was consistently that. They would have seen him as being the savior of the world and, and the bread of heaven and the good shepherd and, and doing the things that he was sent to do. He didn't veer off from that. He didn't get into his flesh. He didn't get off and say he had a bad day. Well, you know, and just got a little cranky. You caught me at a bad time. You understand what I'm saying? People catch me at a bad time. It isn't pretty. You know what I mean? Just we're, I'm not consistently that I need to be and want to be that and, and Jesus desires for us but Jesus was holy the son of God amen and one of the ways or the things that God has given us to where we don't straightway walk away and forget what manner of man we are is his word and obedience to the word so the first scripture that we read it says he looks in this man looks into the mirror he looks into the word of God and then he, he sees it, and he straightway walks away and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Because he did not walk in obedience to it. He didn't walk in obedience to his word. And I can hear people in different Christian camps immediately saying, legalism. Legalism. Being a, or being a Pharisee and so forth. But it's simply what the Word of God says over and over and over again. We are to walk in the light of His Word. You are, as a believer, 
I am as a believer to read the word of God. I'm not take, talking about taking some commandment to Old Testament Israel. I'm talking about taking the commandment from the word of God that is for me as a believer and you as a believer. I'm to do uh, something with that. I'm to obey it and to walk in it. Susanna Wesley, John and Charles Wesley, and among, I think, 14 children, uh, she was known as saying to her children, there's two things to do with the gospel, two things to do with the word of God, believe it and behave it. That's what she would say. You believe it and you behave it. A lot of people will profess that we believe it, we'll go to our grave fighting and defending it, but we don't walk in it from day to day as a practice. And that keeps us from straightway walking away and forgetting what manner of man we are. It's to walk in the word of God, to walk in obedience to the Lord. Do the Lord's the thing, the things that the Lord has spoken to our lives. In that passage in James, it says, uh, if, if you're still there, let's look at it. James 1.22. This is the passage everybody knows. But be ye doers of the word and not Hears only deceiving your own selves. There's a period right there. And then we talked about the man that beholds himself and goes his way in verse 24 and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and does what? He's got to do something. Looks into the perfect law of liberty. We don't always just stand with the Bible. We're not 24 hours a day reading the Bible or sitting under here in a sermon. But we are to take the word that we have read, have heard, have looked at with our eyes. And it says, and continue therein. That has to do with obedience. That has to do with the walk. That has to do with walking out the things that we've read and been taught by the Holy Ghost from the Scriptures. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Amen. This is where our, we're to be uh, we're going to be blessed. This, is, this keeps us from not straightway forgetting what manner of man we are. This helps us to see ourselves rightly. When I read about Paul in Philippians, like we're studying on Wednesday night, rejoicing in prison, it makes me, and I get, take it to heart and think about it, and I complain because of some circumstance in my life that's not right, then it makes me think, you know what, I, I'm, I, it helps me remember what kind of man I am. I'm complaining about this. Here's Paul rejoicing in prison. What's wrong with me? God help me. You understand that that's the little pattern that drives us back to the Lord continually. We have to walk in it, not to be forgetful hearers. God wants us to be pure. He wants to be undivided, unmixed, not partly this way and partly that way. Like Jesus, through and through, the Son of God. And we want to be, and God wants us to be, undefiled and undivided, our hearts to be undivided, our, not to be double-minded in our thoughts, to, to believe God, to our eyes to being single, our conversation and our conduct and behavior to be holy as befitting, as is befitting a child of God and so forth. And so this man that straightway forgets, okay, back in James 1, 124, he, he sees his natural face, the Bible says, in the mirror. And he's aware of the flaws. You know, maybe he's got some broccoli in his teeth right here. Maybe he's got, uh, you know, something. He was working outside and got some dirt, and he didn't realize it was right here. And he looks in the mirror. He says, oh, i got to get that 
that's straight before I go out to work or, or whatever. He's aware of the flaws, but he immediately walks away and forgets what he saw. Immediately walks away and forgets, and that's what he saw. And I would say what he needed to see. He needed to see that. Now, that's just a natural example, the mirror. But he, he saw, he took the time to look. He was aware, yep, I got, you know, I got some, some grease on my face over here, and I got this and that. My hair's all out of whack. I got some standing straight up. I got to get that fixed before I walk. He's aware of it, and yet he walks away and immediately forgets. So guess what, y'all? He derived no benefit. From looking in the mirror, though he looked in the mirror, he derived no benefit from the mirror or from looking into it. It says straightway. That means exactly what you think it would mean. Straightway means directly, at once, as soon as, immediately, forgetteth what manner of man he was. And we can be this way. We can be this way. When we sit under the word of God, when we read the Bible, when someone counsels us, when someone speaks the word of God to us, and we hear it, and it's good counsel, or it's a good sermon, or a wonderful passage that we just read, and everything at that moment was, was what it was supposed to be, and we were receiving it honestly and so forth, we can straightway walk away and forget, not necessarily forget the Scripture, but forget what God was showing me about myself in that Scripture. I'm quick to think, well, so-and-so needed to hear that, that sermon, or so-and-so needed to hear that sermon, and maybe they did. But God spoke it to you. Amen? He spoke it to me. I don't want to straightway forget what manner of man I am. And so I just made my own prayer here. Oh, God, instead of straightway forgetting what manner of man I am, help me to straightway obey you, Lord. Help me to straightway yield to the will of God. Straightway, immediately, as soon as. How many of you know nothing, when God speaks truth to us and speaks to us, nothing good comes when we delay? If you're not sure, then go back and sit before the Lord till you're sure. But if you know he's spoken something to you, to your heart, to your life, there's nothing good that comes from a delay. Nothing good that comes from a delay. We're to straightway obey. And I was saying, Lord, help me straightway heed the voice of my good shepherd. Straightway. Uh, wake up in the morning and give my life to Jesus fresh and new every day. I'm already born again, but wake up in the morning and immediately, as soon as I'm conscious of a thought, Lord, I give you this day. I give my, my life to you. You know, keep me in your ways today. Straightway, lay hold upon the living word of God. Straightway, uh, surrender our life fresh and new to Christ. Straightway run to Him. Straightway call upon Him. Straightway turn to Him. Love Him. Flee from sin. Abide in Him. We would straightway do these things instead of straightway immediately, as soon as we walk away from it, forgetting. God has spoken so many wonderful sermons to our lives. It's more than we can count or remember. You've heard so many wonderful Sunday school lessons. And so have I. So many Bible studies going years back before there was even a cornerstone in your life where, where God has spoken to your life and you know it was the Lord. Just in your own prayer time, Lord came in like a flood and, and just filled your heart in your bedroom. And I don't want to forget that. I, I, I may not m- remember every detail of that, but to, rem- to live in that to where I'm not forgetting what manner of man I am, the work that needs to be done in my life, right? 
the gracious working that God is doing in my life. Like Peter falling at the feet of Jesus in the, in the floor of that boat, constantly saying, he's God and I'm not. He's God and I'm a man sinner saved by the grace of God. Work in me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I need your help. That's what I'm talking about. Don't straightway forget the man saw his flaws in the mirror, but he derived no benefit from looking at himself in the mirror because he forgot. He forgot, instantly forgot the things that needed work on in his life. And we don't want to do that. God doesn't want us to do that. I jotted down some scriptures. I'm going to read them quickly, and we're going to be closing here uh, in just a moment. But I jotted down some, some scriptures about uh, quick obedience to the Lord and, and following after the Lord. And I, I looked up scriptures on straightway, and I just want to read this. Here's Peter and John. He said unto them, Jesus, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. There's a thousand things that these men could have responded. Hold that thought, Lord. It's a great thought. We're going to come after you. There's some things we've got to take care of first. Let us pray about it. There's a lot of things they could have said. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and followed him. That's why we're still talking about Peter and John. There was others that hailed him as Messiah and the son of David. And then later, you know, a few days later cried out for his crucifixion. We're still, still talking about Peter and John. They weren't perfect, but they did follow the Lord. They straightway, they didn't let something get in there and delay them, or distract them, or deter them. That's very, very important. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, and James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship, and with the hired servants, and went after him. We're still talking about James and John, amen? Mark 5. 41, this is Jesus. He took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose. She obeyed. The dead person obeyed. Straightway she arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with the great astonishment. Acts 9, here's Saul after he was converted. Saul of Tarsus on his way to persecute Christians. Ananias comes and prays over him, and he receives his sight, and he receives the, the Holy Ghost. Straightway, he preached Christ in the synagogues. Even before he was went and taught of the Holy Ghost three and a half years in Arabia and had his real calling into ministry, straightway he preached Christ after his conversion in the synagogues. He didn't delay. There's just really something to be said for that. I don't want to straightway forget what God's, what's impressing upon my heart now, because that fire, those fires cool off. Not that they can't be restoked again. They can be. But we need, to, we need to react to the Lord in obedience and surrender and yieldedness and humility when he's speaking to us. Here's the Philippian jailer after the, there was an earthquake and the prison door swung open. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and, and to all that were in his house because he brought them home. He said, I'm going to take care of these men and bandage up their wounds. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. One more. Here's Philip after he'd been preaching in Samaria and a great revival going on there, people getting saved. 
And, and while it's still going on in the heat of the revival, we think, well, that's where Philip needs to stay. No, God had something else for him to do. I'm taking care of the revival over here. There's a man. There's a man going back to Ethiopia. Now I want you to meet him. Now I want you to meet him now. If you wait any longer, you won't be able to meet him. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And he'd say, let me finish up here. They've asked me to preach tonight at the night service in Samaria. Let me finish this one up. And then uh, I'll, first thing in the morning, I'll get going. No, he rose and went. And it's a good thing he did. Amen. That might have been what was, probably was what God's means of bringing the gospel to Ethiopia. This whole country and, and, and everything that was going on there. Don't debate your obedience to Christ. Okay. Don't weigh the pros and cons of obedience to the Lord. There's only pros, okay? It doesn't take on that. Now, if you're not sure, like I said, we get with the Lord and we find out. If he's spoken to us in his word, then we are sure. Whether you feel it or don't feel it, if he's spoken to, it, to us in his word, that is the word of God. Amen? And that is the word of God for your life. It's the word of God for your life and my life. Amen? And so instead of straightway forgetting I'm simply praying, Lord, help us straightway, immediately, as soon as you speak to us, obey you. Hold fast to your word, to believe you, amen, to hold your word in our heart that we might not sin against you. I'm going to close with this. Do you can come. Turn to Acts chapter 16. We talked about this in our, our Philippians study. Acts 16, verses 9 and 10. So Paul and, and those, his companions in the gospel are at Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Acts 16, 9. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And again, there's no debate. There's no delaying. There's no, Lord, we're in Troas, and, and the people are expecting me tomorrow morning. We've got a Bible school set up here or whatever. There was none of that. When the Lord spoke to him, he acted, and they all were of one mind and said, this is God calling us to go to Macedonia. Remember, that's the first the gospel was brought to what's now the continent of Europe. That was it. That was going to be the first time. And the first lady is going to be Lydia, a seller of purple. They get saved there, right? And then there's the fortune-telling girl that's probably saved. And then the Philippian jailer. But a, a wonderful church started there. Praise God he went. And praise God he went when he did go. Amen? And so I'm just praying, y'all, just for the simple thought from this message and the altars open, that we would get with the Lord. We have been so blessed. Can you imagine being a Christian right now? in some part of the world that's Indonesia or, or <clears throat> some Arab country or North Korea, we could go on and on, where they would die to hear a message like this. They would die to have their own Bible to sit there and read and pass around or Christian companions or fellowship 
and we're given so much. I just don't want to be forgetful and straightway walk away. We're not going to remember every sermon, every Sunday school lesson. There's no way. But we can, we can respond when God's dealing with our hearts, when he's speaking to us, and not straightway forget, but straightway obey. This is why we have an altar every, every sermon. We'll have one Wednesday night, Lord willing. And there's a lot of churches, not a criticism, but just a fact, a lot of churches, the altar is just for uh, maybe for salvation or rededication. And if you come up for some other reason, everybody's going to look at you funny. The altar is a place of surrender. In, you know, in Old Testament, where sacrifices were made. But for us, it's a place of making a sacrifice of our lives, holy, putting that whole altar upon the Lord. And God speaks to us every time we gather. And if he speaks to us every time we gather, then I need to de dedicate something to the Lord every time we gather. We need to come before the Lord at these altars. And I, I look at it as seal the deal. Let, take what you've heard, give it to the Lord, and God say, forgive me, I'm a forgetful here. So many times I forget. So many times you've called me to obey, and I've said, maybe tomorrow, maybe after I pray this over, maybe I th I think of, after I think about it more, and God's saying, no, that's, that's why you keep spinning your wheels. That's why you're not progressing. If you learn to walk in obedience, you'd be like Paul going to Macedonia. You know, if we walk in obedience to the Lord when he shows us, and these little children learning to walk in obedience when they're little children, it's going to be a pattern of their lives, amen? It needs to be a pattern of our lives. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Oh, God. I pray it for myself, and I pray for everyone here that we would not straightway walk away from the mirror of the Word of God and forget what manner of men we are. And we wouldn't forget what you're leading us to do and instructing us to do. We would straightway, whether we feel like it or not, yield to you. We would straightway obey you. We would seek your will. God, I pray we would judge ourselves rightly and discern our own hearts by the Holy Ghost and by the Word of God. We wouldn't pretend to be or imagine ourselves to be something that we're not. Show us ourselves, God, and help us to walk in it. Thank you for the abundance of ministry and teaching, good, sound, solid, Holy Ghost-filled preaching and teaching that we receive in our lives, God. Oh, Lord, we don't want to waste it. We don't want to forget it, God. Make us those men and women to be more like Jesus. In your name we pray.